0: Well, it is so good to see each and every one of you. You're looking good today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen, Amen. praise God. Thank you for being here and choosing to worship at Resurrection Life Church this morning. If you're visiting with us, I know we welcomed you already. I'd like to do that again and all of you online. Love to give you a special welcome as well. Can we do it again? Can we welcome our guests in the house and online? Come on, do it real good, do it real good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As Brother Chad shared with you all a few minutes ago, we have the love box out. I just felt inclined this week that we do something special for our missionaries. Uh, you know, they, 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 most all of them have children. They have birthdays. They have uh, anniversaries. They have Christmas, just like all of us here stateside. And many times, you know, obviously it's very different for them than it is for us. And I think that if there was anything, I'll just the word that comes to my mind is grand. If there was anything grand that we could do in the kingdom, it might be to spend a, send a special Christmas gift to our missionaries for their families. Right on. We often, well, we send money regularly to our missionaries for their ministries. And this is an opportunity for us to sow directly, them, You might say, well, what missionaries do we have? Well, we certainly have a lot of missionaries that are local, uh, but mostly I'm kind of gearing in toward our missionaries that serve overseas. Um, we have Jean-Paul Inglaire, who is a missionary to France and, in fact, all of the French-speaking nations of Africa and to other places as well. Uh, we have Bill Otten uh, and his uh, wife, Sue, who for years were missionaries uh, in China and are now going to many other areas of the globe regularly. Um, Most of you, many of you probably have heard of Rick Renner Ministries out of Russia, and uh, we uh, sow into that ministry as well. Um, Pastor Johnny ministry Ministries called Global Outreach. Uh, He ministers uh, throughout Mexico, um, in Cuba, uh, a lot of other places in that region. Then we have Brother John Romick, who has been a missionary to this church for decades, uh, and he is mission, has a huge mission work down in Colombia. Uh, then we have Ignite South Africa as another mission work that we have been sowing into for years, and then um, just one of my personal favorites, Wilbens Maganet, out of Haiti. And if you watch the stuff that's going on in Haiti, you recognize boy, and and. There's just some difficulties going on there. So I tell you what, um, we sow as regularly as we can to all of these missionaries on this list, even the ones that I didn't mention to, to you, but I just thought we should send them a special Christmas gift this year. Just, just blow them away at our love for them. Can you say amen? Amen. And so, yeah, as Brother Chad said earlier, this box will be out here uh, for the next three weeks and, um. All through the service, you can come and sew uh, toward this special Christmas gift. Thank you, Mike. Praise the Lord. Love the shirt, man. It looks cool. <laughs> all bass players are cool. He's the bass. Huh? Right on. <laughs> Whatever he said. We're all getting to that age where we got to turn the hearing aids up just a little bit. Praise God. I want to deliver a message to you this morning entitled, Living Like a Veteran. (laughs) Living Like a Veteran. You know, one of the things that I'm thankful for, and I say that because we are entering into the season of Thanksgiving, what, 12 days away. I mean, isn't that hard to believe? 12 days away and it's already Thanksgiving. Uh, But really, uh, and it's taken me a number of years to find contentment. Honestly, in Michigan. I uh, came from the South, and I didn't like winters. Now, I've been in Michigan longer than I've been anywhere in my whole life, and when the winters came along, I just, every year, I'd say, God, please send me South. And then, you know, I got, uh, we, we got saved and went to serve over in the Grand Haven area. And how I many know that's a wonderful area in the summer, but it's horrible in the winter, as far as I was concerned. And I'd say, Lord, please send me South. And he sent me here. And uh, there's no lakes here. And it's flat. And the winters can be amazingly bitter. And every time winter came along, I said, Lord, please send me south. I want to go south. He sent me up to West Branch. And finally, I got some sense in my head. And I got to looking at the map. And I went, there's some places that are way farther north than I am right now. And God seems to be sending me farther north every time I say, please send me south. And I went, okay, God, I'm done asking for you to send me south because I'll end up up in Antarctica or something. <laughs> and, but my point being is over the years, I've, I've come to love all of the seasons in Michigan and winter. I, I actually love winter now. That's crazy. I know. I should have my head checked because I don't do any winter sports. I figure it's really cool to look at it by the fireplace, looking out the window, and that's a really good deal, right? And so I'm really grown to become thankful for all the seasons uh, here in Michigan, even the fall. It's beautiful, right? But there's a lot of work picking up all them leaves. Can I get a witness from somebody? And it seems like after you pick them all up, you wake up the next morning, and they're all back! And then you're praying, would it just go ahead and snow? See how life, you know, kind of evolves itself. But I've found my pl- myself in a position to be thankful for all the seasons and to be thankful for living in Michigan and certainly to be uh, so grateful and thankful to be pastor here at Resurrection Life Church. And amen, praise God. So I, it is my hope, and especially if you're visiting with us, whether you're in the house or whether you're online, that you feel welcomed and that you feel appreciated every time that you attend this church. I've had plenty of visitors say to me, "This is one of the friendliest churches I've ever been to." And uh, I, that really blesses my spirit. Now, in many churches, just like ours, there's two flags that are standing: uh, the American flag, of course, on my right, and then the Christian flag over on this side here. And these uh, two flags, they represent two different kinds of freedom. Uh, One is a freedom that allows us to go where we want to go, say what we want to say, be what we want to be, dream big dreams, and pursue them. And the main reason that we have these freedoms that I'm speaking of right now is because of our veterans. Yesterday was Veterans Day, and today I want us in the house to take an opportunity to honor and esteem all of our veterans, uh, and especially those that are here with us today. Would our veterans please stand, please? We have a bunch of veterans come on stand up y'all stand up let's give our veterans a big hand we love you guys thank you for serving now all of you stand and thank them come on yeah come on you can do better amen praise the lord you may be seated so veterans all over the the world and over the centuries, they have sacrificed so much to obtain and preserve the freedoms that we enjoy and the special precious freedoms that I just talked about, which includes the God-given freedom to worship anywhere, anytime, anyhow that we want here in America. That, of course, is being attacked and the day that we live, but praise God, we are still able to uh, worship however we want in, in, in any church. And that, of course, ends up leading us to another type of freedom. And it's the freedom that comes or is represented by the Christian flag. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, a greater freedom, honestly, that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And he died as a ransom for our sins to buy us back, if you will, to set us free. And because of him, we can have a freedom from a wasted life. Anybody ever had any wasted years and wasted tears and so forth and so on? Can I get a witness from somebody? Wasted days and wasted nights? No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go there. We've all, we've all uh, <laughs> praise God. But because of Him, Jesus Christ, we can have freedom from all of the wasted life. Because of Him, Jesus Christ, we can have freedom from the bondage of sin. Because of Jesus Christ, we can have freedom from the regret and shame of our past. I wish somebody to hear me this morning. Because of Jesus Christ, we can have freedom from the hate, the unforgiveness, and the bitterness for what other other people have done to us in the past. But we can be free from that. In a few moments, in fact, I'm going to be giving you an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a decision for the freedom that comes through. The only way is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So one flag represents one thing. The other flag represents something else altogether. One flag, the American flag, represents uh, our kingdom, if you will, America. And that's a metaphor, of course. And then the other one, the Christian flag, represents the kingdom of God, which is much more vast, eternal, and beautiful. But to serve either one of these flags and the kingdoms that they represent and to uh, serve these flags well and effectively, uh, one has to meet certain requirements. Yeah, you got a lot quieter when you feel like there was a, something expected of you in the process. Uh, And before a person can become a veteran, uh, you have to be a good soldier. You have to be a good soldier. And uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 says, you must endure hardship. Everybody say "Hardship." hardship. That ain't a pleasant word. But it says you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Just nudged by the Holy Spirit to just ask by the raising of your hands, how many of you all, even, even right now, are experiencing some hardship in your life? Oh my goodness. Keep your hands up for a minute and just look around. Look at what good company. Look around. You're in good company. You're not alone. You're not an island unto yourself. Every single one of us have some hardship in our life. Today, God is, I believe, using his word and also the example of veterans to remind us Keep us aware that we're still at war. And I'm not talking about the war that's going on in Israel. Of course, we know that that is happening. But we are at war physically in our own lives, mentally in our own lives, and spiritually in our own lives. So there's a physical war, sure, that's going on. But there's a greater war that is still being waged against every one of us. And it's really kind of found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 where the Bible tells us, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers. We wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this age. We wrestle against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We all have that battle I am willing to wager every day. Sometimes we win sometimes we lose can I get a witness so we're in the midst of a spiritual war and one of the ways that you and I could win this battle quite frankly is to to learn the lessons that we might be able to learn from being a veteran and I want to share with you today four ways that you and I can learn to live like a veteran are you ready amen number one I'll just start off, you know, what's that? Uh, anybody know what movie that came from? The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, right, yeah. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. So I'll start out with the, the bad and the ugly. True veterans have the battle scars to prove it. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Anybody ever seen the movie The Fight Club? Good, I'm glad you didn't watch it. I haven't watched it for years, so don't worry. I didn't watch it last night just to hone up on my message today. But there was a book that that movie was made of, and the author of that book, he made this statement, how much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Not much, really. Now, I've only had a couple fights in my whole life. And as far as I can remember, I won them both. But I've had lots of fights in my dreams. I win every one of those. I mean, I am, I'm better than Bruce Lee and Jet Lee and any other Lee you can find, man. I've, I got the moves, baby, let me tell you what. In my dreams. Uh, praise God. So I, I'd be kind of thinking, what does it mean to be in a fight? And uh, how many of you would agree, would agree that, if, it, it, that a fight that's one-sided isn't really a fight? That's just a beat down. That's a good beating. Uh, or that's a bully that's taking advantage of your weaknesses, someone weaker. A real fight is back and forth. It's the exchange of blows. It's the it, wrestling for position, for a position of advantage. I love to watch uh, UFC. I I just enjoy watching UFC. So those of you who are going, oh, my God, he's horrible. No, I just enjoy watching UFC. And uh, there's, I think it's the truest fight game that there is. And I can fight better than that in my dreams. (laughs) Let me just say. So if I ever show up on a Sunday morning with a black eye, You can figure Diane either whacked me one good or I had a dream and a half the night before. One of the two. So yeah, a real fight is a back and forth. It's an exchange of blows. It's a wrestling for position. It's a wrestling for the clinch of an advantage. And keeping one's faith is very similar. If you want to be a Christian or even remotely God conscious I told you I was going to give you the ugly first this life will fight you for it if you have a journey of being a Christian you can guarantee that this life will fight you for it it's going to hit you and nothing hits harder than life the world uh, will do everything that it can to steal your joy to take your peace, and every unwanted experience, every unexpected tragedy, every unforeseen pitfall will come to, take, to wrestle you for position in your life. So what do you do? Well, you can curl up in the fetal position and block your face and just take it. And in the UFC, sometimes that happens when uh, one fighter has gained the upper position, and then the other fighter just simply has to cover and wait to, uh, for the referee to stop the fight or to tap out one of the two. But you take a beating. That person takes a beating when they're on the floor covered up, just waiting. So, truthfully, there are times that maybe covering and waiting is about all you can feel that you can do. I've been there where it's like, what do I do? Life keep, keeps attacking me from every possible angle. I can't seem to get a break. Can I get a witness from anybody? And you know what? Sometimes you just kind of have to realize that some, some hardships are simply a test of one's endurance. I've said that something similar to that a few times to Diana. She's been on this journey with her arm, her right arm, and uh, that's her strong arm. Uh, trust me, that arm has put me in a headlock before, and it is her strong arm. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm glad she broke her right arm, because her headlocks aren't that hot. Well, you know, with the left arm. But I've said to her, said, "This is a great time, honey, for you to pray. Lord, what am I supposed to learn in this time frame? What what's what am I supposed to gather from it?" I'm not in any way, shape, or manner saying God tripped her going up steps. No, but it, life came and gave a blow. Are you following me? And the best thing you can do is not curl up and wait for the referee to, to, to stop the fight, but is to say, to, if you're going to curl up at all, let it be on your face before the Lord Jesus saying, what am I to learn? What are you to show me in this process? How am I to endure this hardship? Problem is, is that you and I can help the enemy by inflicting wounds on ourselves, and that's you know when you agree with every negative thought that comes along, when you uh, you know you agree with the thoughts, well, I'm I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the enemy will come plant those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions in your brain, and he just he's doing his best to win the battle to you and how does he how does he fight he he, there's a blow from life and boy he's now got you down if you will and your opponent doesn't have to do anything then because then you and I simply give ourselves a beating and I don't even want to take a show of hands of how many of y'all have spent way too much time beating yourself down because that happens even to the very strongest Christians and then of course there's the third option Yeah, fight back. Can I get a witness from somebody? You fight by remembering God's promises that says no weapon formed or fashioned against you is going to prosper. That's one of the ways that you fight. You fight by uh, hiding his word in your heart. That's why reading the Bible is so unbelievably important to you. You fight by standing up against the lies of the enemy that seeks to do nothing more than steal kill and destroy all the good that has been put in your life. He wants to destroy you the best that he can. But the only power he actually has over you is to plant thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and then you and I either respond negatively, inappropriately is a better word, to those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions by dwelling upon them, by having a mental argument with the enemy that you'll never win, or by recognizing who you belong to, and you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, that was worthy of a lot more praise. Hallelujah. So, nonetheless, my whistler ain't working too good. I wish I could play that on the shofar. Wouldn't that be great to play that on the shofar? So far wasn't meant for good, bad, and the ugly. Life is gonna offer you a rough ride. You can count on it. You'll get wounded, it's gonna happen. Well, wait a minute. That's why I got saved, so that never happened. You weren't a threat to the devil until you got saved. So I would dare say there's probably more trouble after you get saved. You're thinking, well, that's sure a great precursor to an altar call for salvation. (laughs) Why? Because the enemy doesn't fight fair. And he's very aware of your weak points, of my weak points, he knows where there's a chink in your armor, and that's the place that he's going to attack by the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And don't think for a moment that he won't offer you a sucker punch right where it hurts. I got sucker punched a lot as a little kid, and it was only it was one sucker punch changed me. I never once, after that sucker punch, I, I offered my beatdowns. I wasn't going to get beat down again. But that's what the devil does is he comes and he sucker punches you at your weakest moment in your weakest area. And so many Christians are not ready for that kind of attack, for that battle. So it's difficult to imagine emerging from a fight without some scars. Uh, even Jesus has scars, right? He showed them to his disciples after his resurrection. And in fact, his scars were proof that he died and came back to life. And I think our scars bear the same resemblance. I'm not saying I'm thankful for the scars, but the scars that I have remind me of the stupid moments that I had in life. Are you with me? Ain't going to do that again. they are evidence that uh, you're an overcomer. So if you look at your scars at all, even if they're emotional scars, you look at that now because Jesus has healed you from the inside out. And those are moments now that you won a fight. Because you're still here to fight again. They're evidence. They qualify us to speak to the pain. They qualify us to speak to the pain not only in ourself, but they qualify us to speak to the pain that's in somebody else's life that may come to us and say, "I don't know what to do." I've been pastoring now for nearly thirty years, and I there's been so many times that I've wondered why did I have to go what I went through as a child, as a young adult. And so forth and so on. Why did I have to spend all of those wasted days and wasted nights? Why did I have to make so many messes? Why, why were so many messes, messes propagated upon my life by others? And then I'd be in my office getting ready to counsel somebody and they would sit in the chair across from my desk and share with me what's going on in their life. And I'd sit there and go, and in my spirit while they're talking to me, I'm going, now I understand why. Because you knew, Lord... This person was going to be sitting in front of me at this time with this situation, and it's exactly the situation I survived and I won through. I got the scars to prove it. The Bible says in, uh, let's see, I'm getting getting ahead of myself. Where i am at? Yeah, here we go. True veterans have the battle scars that prove they've had to fight. Right on. And my second point is true veterans live a disciplined life. We love that, don't we? Don't we love the idea of living a disciplined life? (laughs) Please. If you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need to get healed of lying. (laughs) One of the marks of military service, and all of y'all who served in the military know that this is true. One of the marks of military service is discipline. It's pounded into you from the day that you get off that bus and you hear the screaming and ranting and ragings of a drill instructor and you're practically ready to pee your pants and wonder, why in the world did I put my name on that paper? (laughs) Everything that takes place in boot camp is done with the purpose of causing you to become a disciplined soldier. From the moment you get off the bus till the moment you get back on the bus to go to your, 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 your training assignment. I remember it was just pounded into us, and I, I was just one of those weirdos that loved being in the military. I'd see the uh, sign, I don't know if they have them anymore, Uncle Sam wants you. Yeah, I would say, well, Uncle I should just put on the Uncle Sam outfit, and they should put my face on that poster, because that's, that's how gung-ho I was about being in the military, you know, I'd iron my shirts and my pants and my creases were good enough to shave with. <laughs> Not really, so forgive me, Lord, for telling a story there. But I remember that in boot camp, uh, we had to do um, guard duty. Everyone had to do guard duty at some point, And uh, we would be warned that uh, you stand at that door all night long. And the master sergeant will more than likely come up and tell you to open the door. And you do not open that door. And, of course, the drill instructor would call you a bunch of names. Don't open that door. In your head, you're thinking, but he is a higher-ranking military man. If I don't obey orders, I'm going to the brig. And I remember, uh, and all the drill instructors, they wore taps on their shoes, on the heels and on the toes. At least that's what they did in the Air Force. Did they do that? Any, Any Marines in the house? Navy, did they wear taps on their shoes? No. So they didn't want to scare you. So point being, you could hear them on those tile floors. I'm standing guard duty one night. It was my turn and there were several flights of steps, and you could hear it. Over every step, I'm sweating bullets. (laughs) I'm already practicing at attention. I'm already practicing the words I'm supposed to say. I already knew, oh my gosh, here comes the master sergeant, and he's going to tell me to open that door, you little maggot, and let me in. And I'm supposed to say, Sir! No, sir! Thinking, I'm going to jail? (laughs) And sure enough, here he comes. He comes right up there, and I I had a a thing that I was supposed to, uh, number one, I wasn't supposed to open the door no matter what. That was the test. Don't open the door. And I I think part of the script was I had to ask for the ID, and we were already warned that there would probably be a fake id so you had to read the id properly and even if the id was good the answer was still sir no sir i'm still here to tell you i have the score the scars from that battle i did not let that guy in somebody say amen as far as i know i never saw him again but 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And the enemy's gonna come knocking at your door, saying, Let me in! You're not gonna win this battle. You're a, you're a drug addict, uh, you're you're addicted to pornography. Uh, this and that, and this and that, and this and that. You ain't ever going to be better. Remember what happened to you when you were just a kid? It's going to be with you all your life. Now let me in. If it weren't for the fact I'd probably have to buy a new mic, I'd just drop the mic right now. (laughs) But most of the inconsistency and instability that's found in Christians can be traced back to not living a disciplined life. Not having a disciplined lifestyle. And I'm not talking about punctuality and dress code and that kind of thing. I'm talking about self-restraint. I'm talking about courage. I'm talking about perseverance. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. Tom Landry, maybe some of you remember his name, he was a historic coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, He said uh, one time, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. And that's exactly what we have to do in the spiritual realm as well. We must make ourselves do what we don't want to do in order to become what we're supposed to become. Did you hear me say, it isn't for your pastor to tell you what to do and not to do. I'm supposed to simply offer the word of God to you and you work out and walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling, the scripture says. But each one of us have to discipline ourselves. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. It's discipline. In fact, you should write this one down. I think they're going to have this one on the screen. It's discipline, not just desire that determines your destiny. You can have all the desire in the world, but if you have no discipline to get there, you'll never arrive to where you want to be. So number one, on my four points is, is true veterans have the battle scars to prove it. Number two, true veterans live a disciplined life. And I still live a disciplined life, really, from my time in the military. It squared me away. Now, I, lo- I, no, I no longer fold my underwear in five-inch squares. That's true. You, you, you had a measurement that everything had to be folded and ironed and put in that, that locker. So praise God I got over that. Say amen, Diane. Uh, <laughs> Diane goes, I am not ironing your undies. I'm like, your left hand works? Come on. <laughs> Oh, I still, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm the iron guy. I remember I only had one time to tell her that's not how you iron a shirt. <laughs> Notice I said I only had one time to tell her because she never ironed another shirt ever again. <laughs> Strong woman right there, let me tell you what. I don't want to hear the tapping of her heels, let me tell you. Come on somebody. So true veterans have the battle scars to show it. True veterans live a disciplined life. And number three, true, vet- true true veterans are skilled and mature. Skill comes from time spent practicing something. Just like we don't like discipline, we don't like practicing. Practicing is boring. It's been said that achieving expertise or mastering any skill is simply a matter of practice, albeit practicing the correct way for at least 10,000 hours. Now, I calculated that, and that's the equivalent of practicing something 24 hours a day for 60 days straight. And then a light bulb went off. How long was boot camp? Six weeks. 60 days. Unless, of course, you're in the Marines, then it's seven weeks. An extra bunch of hours to just solidify what has now made you an expert a disciplined expert at what you're supposed to do i wonder how many of us would say how you would imagine that imagine that in the christian life i took 60 days 24 hours a day to do nothing but read my bible keep my nose in the book i took 60 days 24 hours a day to do nothing but keep my knees bent to heaven i I took 60 days uh, 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 24 hours a day to do nothing but keep my body in the house of God I know we don't have the lifestyle to be able to have six like boot camp but it all of a sudden occurred to me John that from the time I got off the bus until I took off to tech school was actually 60 days of 24-7 nothing but military bearing and I still got military bearing to this day I can't see the flag go up without coming to attention. I can't do an about face nearly as good as I used to be able to do. No, I'm not even going to show you. Oh. <laughs> Why? Well, because I'll fall down and I don't want to. I was 25 then. <laughs> But there's too many Christians, hear me, beloved, that are still unskilled and immature in their walk with God. And they've been Christians for years and years and years and years. While they should be growing up in maturity, they're still babies. For too many, they are still elementary in their skills as a Christian. And this is the battle plan of the enemy on your life to attack your faith in Jesus Christ, which is the foundation of your Christianity and many Christians are unable to handle the battle because they are not experts at being Christians. I didn't say being goody two shoes. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says, therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. How many know we're supposed to grow up You're not supposed to get saved and then for the rest of your life remain a baby Christian. You start out as a baby Christian with hardly a single skill in living this life of Christianity. But we're not supposed to remain babies. With no Christian skills, we're supposed to grow up and have discipline. Nearly every child can't wait to grow up. I mean, just about every child says, when I grow up, I'm going to be a fireman. Or when I grow up, I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that. Teenagers can't wait. I can't wait till I get 16 and get to drive the car. And parents are like, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. They're all hungry to grow up. Why is it that Christians, by and large, aren't hungry to grow up? But still want to remain on the sucky bottle? The sippy glass. You and I should be hungry to grow up as well. Can I get an amen? We should be hungry to gain some skill in Christian truths. We should be hungry to gain some skills in having stronger faith. We should be hungry to keep our noses in the book, our knees bent to heaven, and our bodies in the house of God. I can't believe Pastor sent me another phone message to come out to prayer on Sunday morning. It's 8 o'clock. I don't want to... You need yourself a good Christian drill sergeant. Get the up out of bleep 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 out of the bed. Beds being turned over, locker boxes being turned over. You're like, I don't want to go to this church no more. Praise the Lord. You can't be a veteran and be a baby at the same time. Number one, true veterans have the bottle scars to show it. Number two, true veterans live a disciplined life. Number three, true veterans are mature and skilled. And here's my final point. True veterans are steady. And what do I mean by being steady? To be steady is to be stable, dependable, dependable. And firmly placed. Now let me just holler this at you, not because I want to holler at you, but because I want you to get this. To be firmly placed, dependable, and stable, no matter what. No matter what. Because life's going to come hit you and give you a sucker punch. You better have the discipline in your life. You better have some skill and maturity. And you better be steady, no matter what so i need to ask you are you firmly placed and steady no matter what are you up one day and down the next is your life like a roller coaster ride of emotions and one season you're just hot as a firecracker for jesus and the next season you're cold as ice for jesus is that what your life is like if so in just a couple of minutes i'm going to give you one of the greatest opportunities that you'll ever have in your life, and that is to find stability in Jesus Christ, to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Nothing. Stand firm. No matter what. Be immovable. No matter what. Be dependable. No matter what. God has called us to have the character trait of steadfastness. And guess what? We need it in every area of our life. And without it, we're going to come up short every time. Can I get a witness? Being steady, being steadfast is about never giving up. That doesn't mean the devil won't come and plan a thought, idea, or suggestion about giving up. It just means you have enough discipline in your life and enough skill set as a Christian now, uh, and you've already got the battle scars to prove that you've beaten him before, and you just say, no, 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 I am not giving up no matter what. No matter what the devil throws in my face, I am not giving up. Can I get a praise and a witness from somebody? (laughs) Because you can never become a veteran if you give up. Galatians 6:9, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Let us not become weary. Don't grow weary of doing the right thing, for you will reap at the proper time if you just don't give up. Never, ever give up. So in summary and closing, there are many attributes of being a veteran and of learning to live the life of a veteran, and Today, I've just simply chosen to share four of those with you. True veterans have the battle scars to prove they've had a battle. And you can't have battle scars if you don't go into battle. So as Christians, you can't just hide in the foxhole. You've got to climb out of the foxhole and take the hill. True veterans have a disciplined life. And, and, it, and I, forgive me if I seem skeptical, skeptical. A lot of Christians do not have a disciplined life in their Bible reading, in their prayer life, in their church life, and it is part of the the journey of downfall, not to have a disciplined life, because discipline determines destiny. Are y'all hearing me? Number three, true veterans are mature and skilled. You can't be a veteran and still be a baby. If you're a baby, you're still a baby. And I understand that as a pastor, i.e. spiritual father of a house, if I may stretch that a little bit, I got babies that I have to, you know, change the diaper every now and again, metaphorically, of course, praise God. I got babies that I got to give them, you know, the, the pacifier. And I thank God for the veterans that can help. There always should be babies in the house of God. If you don't have babies in the house of God, then you've got nobody being born again. So I'm not, I'm not speaking against babies in the house of God, uh, and I'm not talking about little babies, you know, actual baby babies. But you don't remain a baby for your whole life. If you have a baby baby, and it remains a baby baby for its whole life, you going to the doctor to find out what's wrong with the baby baby. Huh? Because you're expecting it to grow up. Some of you got teenagers that you want to take to the doctor because you're wishing they'd grow up a little bit. True veterans are mature and skilled. True veterans are steady. The person that is a veteran isn't shaken like a reed in the wind. The true veteran is like an oak, firmly planted. Now I'm going to shout it again, not because I'm mad at you. Just because I want it to sink in. No matter what! Because life's going to give you a sucker punch. I've had plenty. And just about, if not every one of you have too. And for some of you, you let that sucker punch knock you down and out. And you're just barely getting back up. So, living life, the life of a veteran. I think we should thank all of our veterans one more time. Can we thank them again? Now if you can believe what I, and receive what I the message that I delivered to you today, would you give the Lord a praise in the house of God? Hallelujah.